Welcome to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show, a real estate investment program. Listen and learn how to use real estate to build wealth and passive income streams for you and your family. We bring you experts every day to discuss and answer your questions on everything from single family homes all the way up to 600 plus unit apartment complexes. And now, the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Uh, today, I'm going to try to cover a topic um, that's really difficult to cover because I'm trying to marriage, marry two sides of a coin to make sense of why people who live in one world don't understand people in another world and vice versa, back and forth with each other. I just got back from a, a Teldell on location, Teldell um, meeting this weekend. Met a bunch of wonderful people. It's always great to get out there and meet you guys personally. Uh, a lot of you say you've you know, been listening to me for a long time, an opportunity for us to speak personally and so forth is always a wonderful thing. But what interests me is that I get to meet you and understand the variety of people that are listening to these shows that we put out here. And I was really struck this weekend because there had been some conversations before, during, and after uh, the meeting that just sort of took me aback a little bit. And one of the things that I saw going on was is that there are a group of people out there that believe that frugality is the secret to financial success. And, you know, you've heard that saying, I've still got the first dollar I ever made, and, you know, there's thousands of those types of things. But the the bottom line is, there are people that believe that the total success financially comes from your ability to not, or your ability to live on less than what you earn. Now, that is a good starting point to start with, okay? It's a good starting point. But it doesn't get you all the way across the other side of the chasm to being wealthy, financially successful. Now, on the other side are the people that are the something or nothing, instantaneously, gratificationally diseased um, people that believe that wealth is by accident, that you take shots. If you throw enough mud on the wall, something's going to stick, and that they believe that people that are rich just happen to hit that one lotto ticket, that one business idea that one great job that paid a ton of money. And to them, the reason for their failure financially has nothing to do with the fact that they spend every penny they make. It means nothing to them. That's irrelevant to them. Uh, that makes no sense at all. So I'm talking to people out there, and there's one family had $25 million they want to invest. Another family had $10 million they want to invest. And, you know, there was... T- multi-generational of families there where they were saying, okay, now we, we, we've done it. We're getting our kids to do it. You know, our kids will have their kids do it. I mean, there was all this wealth. And then over here were people that had bad credit and no money, and they could not understand why they had bad credit and no money. They thought it had something to do with society was stacked against them. Uh, the world's not fair. The Republicans are in power right now. Uh, whatever it is, whatever their reason was, and you know, I spoke to a couple people. It just they could not rationalize it, and they couldn't understand why they couldn't go out and accomplish the same things 
that the people on the other side of the room, and it wasn't literally a side of a room, but you understand what I'm saying, the other side of this topic, uh, were able to go out and accomplish because they had saved a little bit of money. And so what really got to me this weekend was the conversation got to where I got uncomfortable about the save to be successful part. Normally I'd be on the save to be successful part bandwagon, but it was getting to the point where the save to be successful was becoming the story, and it's really not the only part to the story. Saving to be successful leads to, according to a book I read called The Millionaire Next Door, people that end up with an impoverished mentality. When you live below your means your entire life, you, number one, train yourself psychologically to not want things, to not need things, which is okay. But you start to train yourself to feel like you're going to be broke. That you have to be very careful because you're going to lose everything. And this came out of the recession. My dad talked about his dad who lived through the recession, you know, only letting them have one piece of toilet paper when they went to the bathroom uh, because that was wasteful if you use more than one piece of toilet paper. Uh, only having so many bites of food on each plate. You know, you can only have so many peas on your plate and so much of this or that or whatever. One piece of bread. And he talked about how, you know, growing up that way with his father, being that way, which was made that way from the recession, even though my dad didn't live through the recession, he ended up with recessional mentality. His whole life, he believed that he was going to be broke at some point and that everything, everything in life is right around the corner is broke. It's going to happen. The world's going to end. And so people that are very, very frugal, even when they save up money, even when they become financially successful, have a very hard time getting out of that impoverished mentality. And you see it all the time. People with millions of dollars saved up at retirement. And they eat at 4 o'clock so they can get the senior's discount. They still clip coupons to save a few pennies, a few dollars here and there on everything they do. They still drive, you know, broken down old cars. And there's no reason for it. And I'm not saying they go out and spend crazily. That's the right thing to do. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is once you've accomplished a certain amount of wealth, you should be able to relax and pull the plug on that. I'm going to be starving or go broke by tomorrow. The whole world's out to get my money mentality. And you should start to enjoy life somewhere along the way. Now, hopefully many do. Hopefully my story is only about a few. We don't know. But I know that when the conversation in a self-help program gets to the point where all you can talk about and you see this in other courses, like, you know, Dave Ramsey, let's live on beans and rice, beans and rice, beans and rice. Let's get a second job and deliver pizzas on the weekend. Um, when you see that go to that level of thinking, you wonder, how do you ever get back to just being a normally adjusted human being that says, you know, I just I want to live a decent life and I want to be safe, financially free. Now, some of you want more than that. Don't get me wrong. Some of you would like a really nice life. You know, what gets in the way of a good life, an okay one? What gets in the way of a good life or a great life is a good one. So you've got a good life. So you really don't care about having a great one. I understand that. But it's not that easy because it's a continuum. And you ask yourself, where in that continuum do you want to end up? 
Now, today, before we get out of here, I'm going to share with you how I overcame that very mentality because I had been raised with it. I grew up with it. It was embedded in me. But I saw it. I had read some books that explained it. I felt that fear. I always had the fear that something was going to go wrong, the car was going to break down, the world was going to end, I was going to lose my job, and I better have just a ton of money set aside just in case. Wow. I lived a life of quiet desperation, even though I wasn't even financially poor. It just felt like I was poor. Because maybe I was trying to keep up with the Joneses. I don't even think so. I don't even think I cared about the Joneses. It was just I had institutionalized the fear of being broke, of being without, having no way to survive. I didn't have parents to fall back on. I didn't have family to fall back on. You know, it was, hey, if Dell fails, the world's over. So I had that fear. So I'm not talking out of church here, guys. I'm in the choir. I'm up there singing because I've been there with you. But at some point in life, you have to learn to let that go. It just isn't functional for you anymore. It doesn't work. And on the other end, you guys that are just spend crazy, throw mud at the wall and hope something stick kind of people, you've got to stop believing that life is a lotto ticket. It's an instantaneous grand slam. That's it's a lucky decision that's going to make you rich someday. And realize it's a series of steps, and start taking those steps. I know you'll never feel poor because that type of person never feels poor. They always feel like they're only one gigantic hit away from being super rich. Sometimes they have three and four and five projects going on at the same time. Just because they know if I throw enough mud on the wall, something's got to stick. These type of people do not fear being broke, and they're broke many times. In fact, they get desensitized to being broke. Because broke is only back to zero, a new starting place for the next great idea. Something that anybody and everybody can break out of again by simply getting up tomorrow and going to work. Make a few more dollars. To them, money's like blood. If it's not flowing, they're not alive. They need money to go through their hands to feel like they're doing something in life. Whereas the other people on the other edge, their money's tucked in their pillow. It's hidden away. They won't tell people they have it. They won't acknowledge it. And in the back of their brain, they're still scared that they don't really even have it. So today, my friends, we're going to reconcile this challenge. I've worked it out through this weekend mentally. came to the conclusion of what I want to talk to you about on it. So we'll take a short break. And then when we come back, we're going to start with the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 in the Bible and how that relates to this very topic. We'll be right back to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show.
Lifestyles Unlimited is the real estate investor education and mentoring group that has been taking people by the hand and teaching them how to invest in real estate for over 25 years. Our students have been so successful at creating wealth and passive income that they've won local, state, and national investor of the year awards 10 of the last 10 years. It's easy to see why Think Realty Magazine named us the best in the U.S. If you're ready to add real estate to your portfolio, go to lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com to access our free live training event schedule. Welcome back to Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Today we're talking about the dichotomy between these people that believe that money, uh, great wealth is acquired by taking wild long shots. These people typically um, live their life from the point of view of uh, um, the only way to get rich is to get lucky and you got to take some big giant swing at something and try to hit it out of the park. But generally what they end up doing is striking out time after time after time. The other side is the people who believe that living below your means the rest of your life, scrimping and saving, money is the secret to get there. And uh, they end up, even though they have money and pretty much financially secure most of their life, they end up with an impoverished mentality that means that even when they are financially safe and secure, they can't allow themselves to feel that way because they're so stressed out. Now, the problem with all of this is the way you look at money and the way you see it. And it's interesting, in the Bible, uh, there's actually two parables, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, and then there's another parable in Luke 19, which is almost the same thing. Uh, it's, it's almost the identical story, but it's just in different setting. And what it is in the Bible, they're telling you the reality of the way the world really does work with money. And some people hear it and understand it and other people don't. Now, I'm not going to read you the entire uh, passage because it's written in language that is difficult to understand completely. But there's an overview that I will share with you. It's a little bit uh, more concise. It gets it done. It says, it's a simple story that our Lord tells here. A man who is preparing to leave on a journey entrusts his possessions with his servants. He distributes his wealth amongst these servants in a proportion uh, apportion it to them on the basis of their abilities. So let's stop right there because that's an important point. God, and that's the metaphor, this guy and his servants, God and his people, God has afforded each of us a certain amount of talent. Some of us have more talent than others. Some of us have less talent, and some of us have very little talent at all. And when you look at this, you have been given this blessing, this talent, to go do something with it. And this parable is about people that do something with it and people who don't do something with it. That's what this is all about. Now, if you're a liberal or you're a Democrat, you probably won't believe any of this. Of course, first of all, you don't believe in the Bible. That's fine. You don't have to believe in the Bible to, to understand that a set of words were meant, meant to be understood a certain way. And the bottom line is, is you don't agree with some people were given more talent. You think that people are just lucky or not lucky. And I want you, you know, you say they're lucky because of who they are, the color of their skin, their minority, their what? No, look at me. LeBron James was given a massive amount of talent. James Harden, massive amount of talent. They were not wealthy because they were minorities that hit it rich. 
They were talented people who used that talent to produce. And so if you don't have talent, I can understand being upset that you don't have any. But the truth is you probably just haven't found out what it is yet, nor if you have been given any, you haven't used what you were given. Maybe you want to be a musician and you're not any good at it. But maybe you could have been a great mathematician, but you didn't want to be a mathematician. Maybe you could have been a great inventor, but you wanted to be an athlete. Yeah. Many people are given have talent in things that, that they don't want to have talent in, and they don't use them. And so they don't become successful in life. So I read on. It says, to the first, he entrusted five talents. To the second, two talents. And to the third, one talent. The first two servants quickly set to work with their master's money. The third servant did not invest his master's money at all. He dug a hole in the ground and buried the master's money. When the master returned, the first two eagerly met their master and apparently delighted in the opportunity to multiply their master's money. Both were commended as good and faithful servants. Both were rewarded with increased responsibilities in their master's service, and both were invited to share in the master's joy. Now, the guy with five talents came back with ten. The guy with two talents came back with four. Now, the interesting part about that is is that they, the, the master was happy with both of them. He realized the guy with five talents had more to work with than the guy with two talents, but he was as happy with the guy with two talents who doubled his talent as he was with the guy with five. Still realizing the guy with five had more talent, he also realized the guy with two talents was just as good a man. When we come back, we'll talk about that third servant and what he did. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. largest wealth and passive income expo in the country is coming to Texas Saturday, April 14th. Join thousands of top investors and expert wealth educators. Pick from topics like passive income, retirement, asset protection, tax-free income, finding, fixing, and funding houses and apartments. Get your path to retirement in just one day. Go to wealthandpassiveincomeexpo.com. Gain one-on-one access to hundreds of industry experts, realtors, lenders, property and asset managers, apartment owners, national real estate syndication and trade professionals. Come shake hands with your retirement partner. Use promo code EXPO18 and get in for just $10. Meet national radio host, multimillionaire real estate investor, and mentor to the top award-winning investors in the country, Dell Walmsley. Use promo code EXPO18 to get your all-access pass for just $10. Wealthandpassiveincomeexpo.com. Meet featured speaker Brian Tracy, top-selling author of over 70 books, personal success and performance expert, along with Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, best-selling author and former United States Navy SEAL who received the Navy Cross and Purple Heart for his actions during Operation Red Wings. Your path to retirement in just one day. Wealthandpassiveincomeexpo.com. Use promo code EXPO18. Expo 18. the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Today's story is, of course, we're trying to 
across this chasm of information between people that believe that frugality is the secret to success when it isn't quite the whole story and people who believe that making large returns, instant giant gains is the secret, which it isn't the complete story either. And the fact that the people live on either side of those extremes end up somewhere, but not where they really want to be. So I've been brought into the uh, equation, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. And we've talked about the two servants that went out and doubled the results. Um, you know, and it's interesting how this actually says, it says, therefore stay alert. That's the first statement of this parable, by the way, that these guys didn't bring up. But therefore be alert because you do not know the day or the hour, for it's like man is going to be on a journey who summoned his slave to entrust his property to them. Hey, you do not know the day or the hour that God is going to entrust to you resources. And when you get those resources, what are you going to do with them? Hey, maybe somebody inherited, you know, left you some money in inheritance. Maybe you, you know, got a bonus, uh, you know, whatever. Maybe you got lucky. The stock market went up. You had some money in some stocks, and now you've got some money to work with. One of these days on this earth, God will entrust you with resources, or someone else will, if you don't believe in God. Somewhere the resources end up in your hands. And the question is, what do you do with them? Do you squander them and spend them on yourself, thinking there'll be more? Um, or do you simply uh, go out there and bury them, hide them, and hope that they don't disappear? There's a story about a guy who found a goose that laid golden eggs. He woke up one day, and his, his goose had been laying golden eggs. And each day, he was excited to take the, the gay egg and run down to the jeweler and sell the egg. And he'd sit in town all day long and spend the money and party his brains out. By the end of the day, he used up all the gold from the egg, so he'd go back home and the next day wait for the next egg. And he did this for a longest period of time until one day he got tired of waiting for the golden eggs. And so he tried to kill, or actually killed the goose, thinking all the golden eggs were inside of the goose. But what he found, there was nothing there. So he had nothing. Well, that's the same thing about going out and producing passive streams of income. You can't kill the goose. You can't get rid of the investment and take the money from the investment and go spend it. That doesn't work. You've got to feed the goose. You've got to groom the goose. You've got to maintain the goose. And then when you get the eggs, you don't go down and spend the whole egg each day. You spend a portion of the egg and save the rest and buy yourself more geese that lay golden eggs. And eventually you have a whole flock and they're all laying so many golden eggs, you're getting so rich that what you do is you take all the money and turn the entire flock in and buy cows. And the cows then are going to go out there and produce massive amounts of milk. And you then are going to have a herd. And you just continue to build your wealth from houses to apartments to whatever else you want to own in business. But that's not what we do. When we do get a little money, we spend it all or we bury it. So this next guy, the third guy, who had only given one talent, think about it. You're really good at one thing. Let's say you could play the French horn. But you decide, I don't want to play a French horn. What kind of a goofy dude in high school plays the French horn? But you're really good at it. But that was your talent. So what do you do? You try to become an accountant. You have absolutely no ability with numbers. In other words, you're not maximizing your talent. So the master dealing with the third servant is a very different matter. The servant came to the master with only the talent his master had originally entrusted him. 
He did not increase his master's money at all. In fact, there was a place, there was, in fact, if this were to take place today, the money would be worth less due to inflation. The servant offered a feeble excuse for his conduct. He told the master that he was harsh and cruel man. What the guy is really saying is, hey, I'm out here trying to work with this one little talent, but this is a harsh and cruel world. It looks, it frowns upon weak people like me. It goes on and says, a man who is demanding, the world is demanding. You cannot produce little and expect to have a lot. The world demands that you produce a lot to have a lot. And who expected gains and expects gains where there is no labor. Wow. This one we've got to come into, go into when we get back. But, you know, how many people that are poor believe that rich people who earn money by passive streams of income shouldn't be allowed to earn that money? They didn't get up and earn it. Passively they earned it means they did not sow and they did not reap. They just got. To them, that's sacrilegious. That makes people that have passive income almost the devil to them. We'll take a short break. We'll come back and explain what that does to your mentality and your ability to become successful in life if you believe those kinds of liberal lies. So we'll take a short break. Be right back with Lifestyles Unlimited, Real Estate Investor Radio Show. What would happen if you didn't show up for work tomorrow? For the next couple of days? For a week? A couple of months? A year? How long until you lose everything you've worked for in a fraction of the time it took to earn it? If this fear keeps you up at night, it's time to learn the strategies we teach at Lifestyles Unlimited. Start with the free workshop. Go to LifestylesUnlimitedPodcast.com and find your true financial peace, like so many of our members already have. That's LifestylesUnlimitedPodcast.com. Back to Lifestyles Unlimited, Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Today we're talking about the how to get across this chasm of mentality of either thinking like an impoverished person, even though you have money, or thinking that the only way to get rich is uh, instantaneously, gratificationally getting lucky on something, to where you have people that have no money because they keep taking wild pot shots. We have other people that have money, but they can't get wealthy or uh, get out of the mindset of being poor uh, because they're so afraid they're going to lose everything they have, that they won't deploy the money in an investment that makes sense. So we're talking about the parable uh, from Matthew 25 about the talents and where two of the, of the slave servants to the, to the master were given talents due to their um, abilities. And so one guy got five talents, comes back to the king with ten, the other guy has two talents, comes back with four, and the king loves them both because they both have doubled their talent. They've used what they were given and they have come back successful. The third guy, however, uh, has buried his talent and done what nothing with it and said it's because the world is crude, harsh, and cruel, and demanding, and that the master, the world, is expecting him to have a gain without having sown any seeds or reaped any. He wants him to reap benefits without sowing any seeds. In other words, he thinks the master's greedy to expect him to go earn money for the master without the master actually doing the work to earn the money. Now, this is the kind of mentality people have. 
It's especially a liberal mentality that all people should be paid the same thing, no matter who they are, that talent has nothing to do with it, and that people who take resources that they've worked hard for and saved don't have the right to deploy those resources to where those resources produce money for themselves. So it becomes the zero-sum gain mentality in life that for me to have a dollar, I've got to steal it from you, as opposed to I can take my dollars, go out there and multiply them and have enough money for myself and everybody else I know. So it's just a way of looking at life. So he goes on, he says, he, can, he contended this is why he's afraid to take risk with any kind of investment. So this is why these people contend they're afraid to take risks. I remember talking to one guy one time, and he said, look, every time I save any money up, I lose it. Something goes wrong, the car breaks down, a kid gets sick, and so I don't save anymore. Because if all that stuff goes wrong, I'll find a way to go into the hospital for free. You know, I'll, I'll find a way to get a cheap car repair. He goes, but if I save money, I don't even get the joy of having the things I want before I have the disaster in my life. At least if I spend the money, I get some instant joy, and then when the disaster comes, I live through the disaster. That's what this guy's basically saying in this talent thing. He says, and so he simply hid the money, and now he returned it without any gain. The master rebuked the slave for being evil and lazy. He took his talent from him and gave it to one who earned ten, and cast his fellow into outer darkness where he was weeping and mashing of his teeth. So what you realize is whatever talent you have, if you don't use it, it's going to be taken away. And you take guys that were great athletes in high school, and they don't go on to do anything with that talent. And in no time at all, middle age, they're fat, out of shape. They've lost their health and fitness. But at one time, man, they were superstars. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't have natural talent. Everybody else was incredible. There were guys who were unbelievable. And they never did anything with that talent. You know, I knew a guy that was a, won a science major award for the whole state of Wisconsin and then didn't go to college. <laughs> he had a, a, a college um, what a scholarship for winning this award. He didn't even bother to go to college. He wasted his talent. And when you don't use your talents, you will lose them. So, guys, those of you that stick in that dollar you saved under the pillow, it isn't going to get you to the other side of this chasm. You are going to need to open your mind to the fact that money can grow and continue to grow exponentially, and that somewhere along the line, you will be financially free and safe and secure. But you just have to come to that conclusion. And so I have a system that I put together that I thought worked pretty well for me. Back when I first started, got my first job, I realized before I had my first job, I had no money. Now that I have a job, I don't need all that money. I can live on half of what I earn because it's twice as much as what I had. And so I live below my means. Now, granted, I worked out all the time. I was a single male. I had no. But see, I didn't go collect all those expenses to start with. I figured I better have money before I have any expenses. I didn't have my first baby till I was 30 years old, something, and 32 or 33, something like that. So, I mean, I'd already made myself financially free before I even started thinking about having kids. So I didn't burden myself before I empowered myself. But then as I started buying rent houses, and each rent house would add $500 a month to my income, and I made 70 grand a year in my job, so I only took home $3,500. By the time my first year, I bought six houses. I was already there, right? 
I was already there. We'll take a short break. We'll talk about how to finish that cycle, and we'll go to the mailbag and pick up a few emails. We'll be right back with Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. that every dollar you invest in real estate makes you money five ways? Cash flow, money in your pocket each month, equity capture, the thousands of dollars you create when you have the right team and buy the right property using the right map. Appreciation, real estate can increase in value over time. Equity buildup, renters pay down your mortgage each month. And finally, the tax advantage. When done correctly, real estate investors pay no taxes on our cash flow and capital gains. At Lifestyles Unlimited, these are the five ways we make money in real estate which is why real estate accounts for more millionaires in the world today than any other investment vehicle. You should have some real estate in your portfolio. To learn how to attend a Lifestyles Unlimited free workshop, call 866-971-8970 or go to lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com and register for the next available workshop. That's 866-971-8970 or go to lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com. Welcome back to Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Today we've been talking about what is the plan so that when you end up having money, you don't end up being... Uh, an impoverished thinking person to where at, you know, 60 years of age, you're still clipping coupons and still, you know, going to four o'clock lunch to save a few bucks and, you know, driving an old broken down beater car and, you know, just living that life to where you feel like you're impoverished, even when you're not, maybe you even did the right thing, save money, made some investments, have a little bit of money. Uh, and the key is number one, you're going to have to save some money. And step number two, you're going to have to go earn some money with that money. You can't save it and stick it in, in the ground like the parable talked about. You've got to get out there and invest it effectively like the other servants who doubled uh, the talents they were given. You need to double your money you save. Make your money grow. And it needs to grow exponentially. Now, what I did was, like I said, I had 70000 a year income, which came down to $3,500 a month of take-home pay. I bought a rent house, gave me $500 a month more. I bought six of them one year, and all of a sudden I had $2,500. Uh, six of them had $3,000 a month more in income. I had almost replaced my income. But what I did was, instead of just saying, okay, replace my income, I took that money, added it all together, and had about 6000 bucks a month then to invest. And I said, I'll live on 3000 now. Before, I was living on 1500 2000 Now, I'll go up to 3000 So, I was able to reward myself for doing the right things. Now, 3000 a month isn't living large, don't get me wrong, but I still had 3000 a month to invest. So, the next year, I was able to do much more, and I became aggressive and bought, you know, up to, I think I had 40 houses after the second year. And by that time, I had retired because I was making way more on my houses than I was with my income. But I kept that system up. Every year, I'd, I'd buy more real estate. My income would go up. And every time my income would go up, I would allow myself to increase my expenses. Now, there, there came a point where when I was allowing myself to spend $100,000 a year, there really was. I had my house. My cars were paid in full. I really had no need for money. But I had realized that I can't take up this impoverished mentality. So I started spending money on just crazy things just almost to prove that there is no fear 
of not having money. And I started out by taking my friends out on the weekends and pretty soon people got wind of that. And so, you know, having two or three people became 10 or 20 people and then 30 or 40. And then I'd stop doing that because pretty, pretty soon people figured out I was picking up all the tabs everywhere. But I did it in other ways. I allowed myself to have a little more expensive car. I went from a Camry to a Lexus and that was a great show. Great improvement in the enjoyment of my life. I went from a condo to a house. Uh, another great improvement in the joy of my life. But not, not you know, massive. But as I started to earn massive, massive money, I got up to, I remember when I was making 500000 a year, I said to myself, I can't spend half of that. I can't live on $250,000 a year. And people all say, well, don't worry, why don't you give me some of it? No, I'm not going to just give it to you to bury or to waste or to spend. That doesn't do anybody any good. So I just you know, decided I'd go ahead and continue to grow the wealth and spend my time giving back at Lifestyles to make sure other people had the benefit that my wealth was there to help build this company and to get it out across the country like we're doing now, spending, you know, massive amounts of my money to spread this company across the country. Uh, but that money is the money that I'm spending without any fear of losing it. So it's not like I'm risking the money to go out and help you guys. I've, I've got the money, and I'm using it in a way that benefits people, but it's also benefiting me by keeping me from feeling that I'm going to go broke someday. There's, there's all this interplay there that's very, very important to understand. So I want you all to get that and understand that you've got to learn to change your outlook about money to where money isn't something to fear anymore. Not having money is a terrible way of life to think that you've got to live so frugally. Now, the story that started all this was JB was telling me a story the other day about a guy who didn't do Valentine's Day. And he'd wait to the next day after Valentine's Day to do Valentine's Day. And his family did it that way so they could buy all the candy and all the trinkets and stuff for cheap. Well, my first thought was, why even buy the candy and trinkets in the first place? Uh, and by the way, you know. Don't you want to give your, you know, your girlfriend, your wife something as, hey, it's the day. Now, I understand the psychology is, okay, don't, you know, don't get caught up in other people's um, fake holidays to, so you'll just spend a lot of useless dollars. I get that. But why spend the useless dollars at all could be the next rationale. But I'll take it one step further. One of the things I found until I laughed about that was uh, my girl, fiance's birthday is in October. I buy her what she wants. And... Uh, I get it for her before her birthday. Then, after her birthday, I find out what she wants for Christmas, and I buy it before Christmas because it's cheaper than Christmas. When Christmas comes and the Christmas sales are open afterwards, I take whatever she didn't get for Christmas that she wanted, and I buy it for Valentine's Day. So I literally buy gifts in the down parts of the seasons that I know that will be a very good gift for her next holiday. But I want her to get that gift on that holiday. I don't want her to get it the day after the holiday because, look, your cheap fiancé didn't want to give you a gift until two days or a week after Christmas or two days or a week after Valentine's Day uh, because that kind of loses the whole image of, hey, am I happy, am I healthy, am I safe? And where am I at in my life? So just a thought process about how to make it all work out for you. I hope it helped you today as a different way to look at life. But remember this, we're not doing this for money. We're doing it for a lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, investing, or tax advice. Results may vary. Always consult a professional before making any financial decisions. If you'd like to find out more about the mentoring available at Lifestyles Unlimited, please visit them online at lifestylesunlimited.com.